Good evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog from Fuga A to Fuga Z. Joining me today for his second guest appearance to discuss Promises from the 1989 Margin Walker EP is James Vitito, the man known to you as the movie star. How's it going, James? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. It's, I'm doing well. Thank you. I believe you did tell me like the, the guys in the band called you the movie star at times. <laughs> yeah, that, that was said once or twice after everything came out and, and um, you know, it, the film had been out for a little bit. Like I remember we went to a show and Brendan's like, there they are, the movie stars. And, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, both Guy and, and Ian had made references to that. And that whole experience was um, so humbling. It's just you know, being in the right place at the right time. I mean, no, I had no clue that, you know, we were going to be filmed. I had no clue that it would be used in the, in the film. And then when everything came out, I was very like, just like, I was told beforehand that it was coming out. Like, um, I don't remember exactly what show, but I went to a show and, and Ian had said, you know, we're going to use you in the, in the film. And I was like, what, you know? And he's like, yeah, well, you're in it. I just remember being blown away, like, could not believe this was happening. Just to back up for people who aren't sure what we're talking about, I like to assume that everyone's listened to every one of the episodes of this show, but <laughs> just in case you're you're just joining us now, James was on the episode for Break-In. He was featured uh, talking about Fugazi in Instrument, the documentary, and we talked a little bit about the background behind that on that episode. So... I, I don't ask everyone back for a second bite of the apple on this show, but <laughs> the, the song Promises did specifically come up when you were featured in the film. So I, I figured, you know, what better person to have uh, than, uh, than you for this one? Well, thank you for inviting me back. I'm very appreciative of that. And, you know, I, I just went back to prepare for, for this uh, podcast to and watch that segment of Instrument. And... You know, um, I hadn't watched it in a long time, um, actually. Um, and the whole, I'm talking about the entire Knoxville segment and, and the interview segment. By the way, if people do want to check that out, um, it's uh, at about 124.24 in the film. That's where the performance of Promises in Knoxville, Tennessee, and you can see James in that. And then a little bit later at 135.48 or so, um, it's James is on camera uh, with a little interview with Jem. So um, yeah, uh, if if people want to check that out, uh, go for it. Here's something new I thought about rewatching that. So we were interviewed before the show, and um, you know, Jim asks us, "Do you uh, read Fugazi's lyrics?" And we say, "Of course." And um, my partner at the time says you know the line we we talked about touch your hand to the walt night and then they use that as the title for the the knoxville segment and then i noticed that when they get to that song in the film he zeroes in on us and it's like this is to me jim cohen's filmmaking mind at work like he remembered we had said that and he just because it's I, I hadn't really noticed it before but when they get to that part he just pans right to us like to see our reaction to that line and of course you know it's very impactful and then you know the band themselves talked well, they what they really liked about that segment was the dichotomy between the fans on the side of the stage 
and the pure chaos in the audience, you know. It was awful. Um, I rewatched it too yeah. just to see that. And yeah, the, the people were behaving so badly at that show. It's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was you know, Fugazi played that venue three times. I caught two of them there, uh, 96 and, and again in 99. But nothing compared to that 96 show. I mean, I, and I saw Fugazi a couple dozen times. And there was no show like that Knoxville show. I mean, there was a couple of rough ones, but that one was one of the roughest that I personally had had seen. I don't know how much um, personal detail you want to get into in this show. Um, right. But, like, I mean, do you think that's important when it comes to discussing the song Promises? Well, it can be. I think, well, all right, so I'll just dive in an overarching what I think the song Promises is about. Um, to me, I feel like it's, maybe a relationship song, a relationship gone wrong song. Um, but, but it could also be a friend or band type relationship, but there's a couple of lines in there that make me feel like it's, it's a relationship. And, um, I feel like this is a theme that Ian's worked on several times. Like when I think of promises, I think of Meyer threats betray, um, which I've heard that's a song about his relationship with Jeff Nelson, or the song like we all fall down um like i feel like like the lines you know what was carved in granite was wiped off like chalk what was ours is yours and mine is very similar to some kind of the lines in there like you will do what you you know what you do i'll do what i do we'll do what we do rearrange you know um so um and also funny we all fall down ian says you know i swear to you this is the last time i write this song but i feel like he re- <laughs> he didn't he rewrote that <laughs> he he returned to this theme and and I feel like there's other Fugazi songs like this like I feel like Pink Frosty's kind of like this in a different way yeah um, you know and then there's other I feel like there's other thematic bits in here that touch on other things like all right so Promises is kind of a dark song a little little different than the early Fugazi stuff you had mentioned in your um, if people listen, if not, go back and listen to the uh, the episode on Margin Walker with Jason that, you know, about the Damned, the cover being an homage right. to the Damned. And I've actually had conversations with Ian about that and saw some of the outtake photos from the the cover. Oh, really? And, that sounds yeah, super interesting. It, and it was a, a Thomas Squibb from Beef Eater and Fidelity Jones was taking a film class. And they were assigned to do a portrait. So Ian and Thomas thought it would be a great idea to just mess with Ian's face. And they put tape all over it and they would, you know, the guy's face all red and ruddy. And I think it's shaving cream, but for some reason I'm wanting to say it was mayonnaise. But they decided just to, to just really make a mess of his face. And that photo is one of the series. And Ian just thought it was, you know, record covers always have like these perfect mugshot you know not mugshot but you know headshots of the artists and it's all you know very styled and yeah you want to look your best right right and so here's this one of him um total wreck his face is all red and there's actually tape on his face i don't know how i've got the record cover out i'm trying to look and see but there's tape on his face and it's you know he's just been made a mess so i the reason i say all that is i feel like this song kind of the intro of it reminds me of kind of like the damned like the song like life goes on which people should look into that song because that's got an interesting history of itself but um but it's kind of like dark and droney and minor and you know they come in with the words and expressions 
all these confessions of where we stand, how I see you and you see me. And here's where I think it's a relationship. It's dedications of symmetry. Together we will be forever. You know, and that's what people, when they get, you know, it's like, you know, a, like a wedding vow. You promise to be together forever, you know. Right. But then, but then, you know, you know, Brendan the Bell, ding, nope, promises are shit. <laughs> we speak the way we breathe. President Arrow have to do. You know, and I, man, I, I, what I feel like Ian saying there is like, you know, promises, you know, like breathing's an involuntary act. We don't even think about it. We just do it. Right. It's just something that happens. And, and I think he's here, he's saying like more than just, you know, promises are just casual words. People aren't even, it's like not even thinking. It's just, you know, just speaking involuntarily. And there's no um, real intent behind it, you know, and, and I, I think what he's saying with the line "President Air will have to do" is just like, you know, I understand that people are saying these things and they don't really mean them, so just take it at face value and just move on. You know, rearrange, see it through, just keep keep doing. Um, so I was feeling much the same way, but there's there's one line in this song mm-hmm. that I was finding very mysterious, maybe the most troubling line to me which is where he says, there were no truer words than when spoken. Let that stand as it should. Stand as it should. Now, I was I was turning that over in my mind, and it kind of gave me a different perspective. Um, and I'm still not sure what he means by it. Maybe you have a different take, but it almost sounds to me like he's saying, um, yeah, like when we, often when you speak those words, when you make promises, at that time, it's true, mm-hmm. or at least you think that it's true but so so at the at the moment when the words are spoken it it is true and and we're not just lying but after you make the promise especially if it's a long-term promise like together we will be forever people right. sort of change in ways that make those promises untenable and like so that's what makes promises shit it's n- maybe not so much lying it's the impossibility of yeah, of words time goes to, on. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, all right, I'm going to back up a little bit to the course before that, um, where he gets to the stupid fucking words, tangle us in our desires, free me from this give and take, free me from this great debate. And, you know, the the whole tangle us in our desires, you know, uh, in words, and how we're, like, um, it makes me, you know, Fugazi, both Ian and Guy, have you, you know, the limitations of language comes up, um, you know, stacks, language keeps me locked and repeating, margin walker, it's a problem with the language, yeah. um, furniture. the word tangle, the furniture, you know, um, but, you know, when he talks about free me from this give and take, free me from this great debate, I was thinking, you know, he could be talking about punk rock, hardcore, because, you know, at this time period, Fugazi was making a break from traditional hardcore like you know, they were not your typical hardcore band, but they were still on the very much in the punk hardcore scene. Um, and, you know, in 88, 89, you know, Discord was still considered a hardcore label, you know, um, even though they had, you know, the sound had shifted. But anyway, you know, and you go to a Co Ricky song, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact line, but, you know, uh, you tell me I need to fix that I broke in 1986, you know, because it started in 86. You know, and like, did he end destroy hardcore? But, you know, that could be the great debate. But then, you know, I agree with you. Uh, that whole section there, when, when the music gets back to being dark again and they get to that no true words left and when spoken, 
you know, I mean, that, that, that delivery of that line is so powerful. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what he means, but your, your approach, I think is very apt that, you know, people are trying to, to tell the truth or trying to speak wholeheartedly, but the situations could change. And then, you know, then they're broken. Yeah. I but think it's line, such, it's such a, like a, an interesting song that way, because I think the first time you hear it on a surface reading, like the thing that really impacts you is that chorus promises are mm-hmm. shit. We speak the way right. we breathe. That seems to send a clear message. And it seems to, it seems to be coming from somebody who's angry at somebody else for breaking a promise. Right. But yeah, with, right. there's that line and there's, yeah, the, the idea that words tangle us in our desires, free me from this right. give and take. It's like, it's almost like he's not mad at a person making a promise. He's sort of mad yeah. at just the way we make the situations. Yeah. And right. like, or yeah, yeah. The fact that I have made this promise, it is interfering with what I actually want in life right. now. Um, so it, it's a really two sided song in a way that's fascinating to yeah. me. I love the line. We grab anything when we fall because, um, much like another line we'll get to in a second, but you know, to me that made me think of uh, Guy's line in Provisional. You know, we hide behind the targets. You know, hide behind the targets in front of all the people we serve. Like people, people will do anything to protect themselves. And um, you know, the way he screams, you know, we grab anything when we fall. Amazing delivery. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just phenomenal. And but I think it's such an an accurate statement because people will do anything. They'll They'll put people in front of them, you know, they'll mess up and they don't want to own up to their mistakes and they'll, they'll shield themselves with anything. And, you know, um, to, to quote, you know, suggestion, we're all guilty. I think everyone's done that at some point has, you know, made a mistake and, and tried not to own up to it and, uh, grabbed anything when they were falling. For most of the song, this seems like it's really inspired by some kind of, um, relationship either like romantic or like collaborative but yeah that we grab anything when we fall for some reason it always brings to mind um like a a drug addict you know you know like yeah a a junkie making promises that are just worthless because they're like in this downward spiral i i think anyone who's dealt with addicts um knows like how worthless that is and it seems based on you know ian's antipathy to drugs in general that could be drawing on that. Um, so I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just, uh, have you ever been cruel? You know, yeah. Shut the door. But it could be, I mean, you know, the, I, I feel like this, this song is so, uh, full of ideas that Fugazi uses in other, like, like it's a very, um, meaty song. Like there's a lot to it. I mean, it, it it's only four minutes long, but when it ends, you're like, you you know, well, of course, if you see it live, they often extend it out. But, you know, it's just such a powerful four minutes. You don't want it to end. But, you know, after that second chorus, the the tempo of the song changes um, and it gets very anthemic. It's got those great, you know, traditional Fugazi stop starts and, and octave harmonics. And, you know, and it does that. You will do what you do and I will do what I do and we will do what we do. Rearrange and see it through. And it's like, again, I think you're... You, what you were kind of saying there with uh, the free me from this give and take part, you know, Ian is saying like this the whole situation's entangled us, you know, shit that we're in. You just go do you, I'll do me. 
let's do what we can do together, whatever. It was just rearrange, see it through, you know, get the, you know, maybe get the work done, get the music out, just, or whatever, go on with our lives. You know, it's, it's whatever it is, you, you know, it's time to rearrange, but yeah, you know, how anthemic that section of the song is, you know, it's very, yeah, it's very powerful. Also, you know? I, I just wanted to mention, I don't know if you probably didn't intend it this way, but I always thought that go where you think you want to go is a little bit of a passive aggressive line because it's not go where you want to go. It's go where right. you it's think you want to go. It's like right. as if the speaker it's... of the song is saying, well, I, I sort of know better. I doubt that. Right. I think you're not in a clear headspace right yeah. now, but sure. Go where you think you want to go. Go where you think you want to do what you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, you think you want this. But when you get it, it may not be what you want. Right. I mean, you know, like I agree with you because I think I was going to point that out. The key line or key word in that line is think. He doesn't say go where you want to go. It's go where you think. You know, in that section of the song, to me, almost has like a military cadence, but also kind of like a hardcore cadence, but in like an understated kind of way. But, but you know, go where you think you want to go. Do everything you were centered for. Fire at will if you hear the call. Touch your hand to the wall at night. I mean. Touch your hand to the wall is to me the pivotal line in that song. I mean, it's just so you know he's saying, "Go where you think you want to go. You you think you want this? Go, go do it. Do everything you were sent here for. You know, you you know, do it. You do you. And then you know, fire. I love that fire at will if you hear the call. You know, all that is telling someone to to you know, you do whatever. But at the end, you touch your hand to the wall night. We're unsure. You know, when you get up in the middle of the night and you stumble through, like, you know, if you're in a house you're unfamiliar with and it's dark, you touch your hand to the wall. You know, it's like you don't know where you're going. You don't know your way. And so you, you're you're going where you think you want to go. But, you know, when you're unsure, you're going to touch your hand to the wall. You know, oh, that's fascinating. I've never thought of it that way before. Thank you for yeah. that interpretation. That's interesting. Oh, no problem. I love that line to me. I mean, you know, they named that section. We, we, you know, we mentioned that line, and but that to me is like the key line to so much, and also a philosophy in in life. You can be bold, reaction makes bold, but you know, there's going to be a moment where you're unsure, and you're going to reach for the, you know, you're going to reach for the security of that wall. It's so interesting because in that, you know, in your interview uh, in Instruments, um, mm-hmm. your your ex is talking about. Mm-hmm analyzing lyrics and she brings up that line as if she's about to explain what her analysis is but that's when it cuts away cuts so away. the viewer you know, is left to think okay what does that mean i you know, i'm curious i honestly don't remember what all we said but and ian has said before and i need to take him up on that he's gonna he would give me the entire because i think he said jim record 20 minutes of that but yeah what does that mean what does that line mean we i remember early on in our relationship, we would, we would talk about this song. We'd talk about that line because, you know, grab anything when you fall and touch your hand to the wall all night were, were lyrics that we would talk about and debate. Like, what does he, you know, what does he mean? And we really would truly analyze the lyrics to Margin Walker. I mean, Margin Walker was the first Fugazi record I heard. First, you know, album or EP I bought, you know, and it's, it's six songs in 17 minutes, but it's so impactful and you know a little personal aside with this song i remember you know in high school being a freshman in high school and my friends and i were going to play we had this idea we were going to play the talent show and i may have mentioned this last time if i'm repeating i'm sorry but we were going to play the talent show and we were going to play the song promises and we'd worked out how to sneak like not reveal that this song is profanity (laughs) profanity (laughs) profanity lay song 
we ended up not doing it. I think I don't know exactly why, whether we chickened out or whatever. I don't exactly you did, remember. You didn't but, sing stupid gosh darn words. No, we didn't do that. We didn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I remember that talent show thing. Like some other kids, like got up and did Guns and Roses, um, uh, patience, and we were going. But I remember practicing promises, and and you know, you know, thinking back, I feel like we were doing a good job, but we were probably butchering the song. You know, um, we were we were kids. You know, fifteen, but. Um, but anyway, this, I mean, it was, this song has always had a lot of weight with me. Like, um, it's a very, um, impactful song. And then, you know, you get to the ending, he screamed promises, 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 but then the deadpan words, he's railing, you know, like, like the promises are coming on thick and heavy, man. You know, it's like, here it is. Promise, 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 promise. It's just words. And, and in the end, you know, that's what Amy, he says it, promises, you know, we speak the way we breathe. It's just words. Right. Again, I just want to point out what great lyricists uh, all the members of Fugazi are. Um, but, you know, those early two EPs, just Ian and, and Guy really set the bar high for for lyrics and wordplay and just, you know, thoughts, ideas. I mean... There's so much to dig into. You're right. Um, do you want to, you want to hear what I was thinking about? Touch your hand to the wall at night. Yeah, yeah. This is a line that I had never figured out. It's it's not a line that I ever sat down and tried to be like, all right, I'm going to figure out what this means and really think about it. But it's it's always a line that just sort of nagged at the back of my mind, and it's it's one of those lyrics that does come up just in your mind when you're when your mind is idling mm-hmm. around um, to me. And I always sort of wondered, like, yeah, what's the significance of that? And then recently, very, very recently, I came to this little realization. Are you familiar with Phoebe Bridgers? I, I've seen the name. I, I'm not super familiar, but... She's a, like, relatively new artist, but just really great songwriter. Um, and uh, just mm-hmm. the album that came out last year, I think, she has a song called Chinese Satellite. It's a very, like, mm-hmm. existential song about belief or like rather lack of belief in an afterlife mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. struggling with that like wanting to believe that there's an afterlife and a lot of the song is about talking about a person who's gone from the singer's life and it's like really poignant so there's this one little stanza where she sings sometimes when i can't sleep it's just a matter of time before i'm hearing things swore i could feel you through the walls but that's impossible and all of a sudden, it sort of clicked into place for me. Like, I feel like I have been there. I feel like I have done that. I feel like I've mm-hmm. been in bed at night thinking about somebody that I care about who's not there and, like, right. actually physically reaching out and touching the wall just while I think about them, like like I'm trying to penetrate through time and space or something. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, that's touch your hand to the wall at night. Like... That's yeah. that's what that is. So I have no idea if that's what Ian was thinking, but that's that song for me helped it really click into place. And I think I think your interpretation makes complete sense too. But um, yeah, it, it yeah. makes sense to me in two ways now. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to look at it because I, I never thought of it that way. Um, you know, I always saw it as as um, a safety mechanism, like. Um, you know, you you've went out exploring or doing whatever, but uh, you know that's a beautiful way to look at it. 
Hmm. And, you know, just the, the, the phrasing itself, touch your hand to the wall at night, is just, he says so much in so few words. And, I mean, in many ways, and there's other lines in this song that he does the same thing, you know, that we grab anything when we fall or no truer words than when spoken, you know. Ian has an act for, uh, a knack for saying things very poignant in very few words. Um, and I think I, we have to acknowledge that it helps that he has a very good sense of how to write a line rhythmically, right? The, right. The syllables have to so scan strong. in a certain yeah. way. Like, yeah, if you just read those lines to yourself, go where you think you want to go. Do everything right. you were sent for. Fire at will if you hear that call. Touch your hand to the wall at night. Like, it's not exactly like it's iambic. Um, right. But, no, but it's got a syncopation to but it. But it's very close. Yeah. I'm I'm not good at iambic pent- pentameter, uh, but uh, you aren't good at that poetic form. <laughs> I'm gonna just try to speak in iambic pentameter for the rest of this. <laughs> you should, you should. Why, James? I'm shocked that you are not that great. <laughs> uh, I can't keep it up. Yeah, I couldn't. But you hear so many elements of like, oh, I was going to mention, you know, um, when it gets to that part, the bass line is just so phenomenal. Joe's bass at that section, the go where you think you want to go, and the way, I, I'm assuming Ian, because I, I don't think he was playing guitar yet, but that guitar slide to that note, and then it, it runs, does a little run, you know, that whole section is just so phenomenal. The interplay, the rhythm section, the bass line, it's just very, just, and it, again, it feeds into all that syncopation, and, you know, you can see where Fugazi did have the, the funk and the reggae influence, the the dub influence, and even though those elements may come out later, like especially the dub would come out later records, but I feel like you see it there from the beginning. Well, even I mean, even Waiting Room to me has kind of like a dubby rhythm, but uh, yeah. And you mentioned it earlier, but um, it's really worth it uh, to to go and listen to recordings of them playing Promises live because right. um, yeah. They would they would launch into the music for for that section of the song, but before Ian would start singing, they would often stretch it out into a cool little mm-hmm. jam. There would often right. be echo or big reverb on the drums, courtesy of of Joey P or Nick at the board doing mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw versions yeah. where Guy is playing with his tuner, making those little weird synthy yeah. uh, notes. <laughs> so those were really cool little jams, and yeah, they they would sort of jam that out before Ian starts singing that. Uh, go where you think you want to go part now you you often mention how uh, you know where the song how many how often they play this how often do they play promises i don't know i'm, I'm glad Maybe. you asked uh, according to my data which again is incomplete because not all of the set lists are, right. are up on the live series website but this just missed being in the top 10 songs oh, I, I have it at I number 11 it would have been. 11 interesting yeah i sometime when you i've got a you gotta tell me what the top ten are. I, I, I've been listening, so I hear. But um, I can see that being one they would frequently play because it's so. It's got so much of what they like to do live. Like you said, they've got this section where they can stretch it out and, and jam on it and make it more. It's got the very powerful anthemic parts that that hit. Um, you know, it's. You know, and I also want to point. Out, Fugazi make incredible album openers and album closers. Like yes, Promises is such a perfect way. Glue Man's such a perfect way to end an EP. Promises, perfect. Shut the door, perfect. You know, <laughs> exactly. um, they know how to to you know 
I could go on and on. But you know, it, in the in, Jason kind of mentioned when he did his waiting room how it kind of mirrored or not waiting room. He did um, Margin Walker, but it, the song itself kind of had a, a mirror to the first EP and Waiting Room. And I feel like in a way, Promises and Glue Man kind of have that same kind of mirror feel. Like they're very, um, you know, very impactful songs, and and you know, both songs that Fugazi would play very frequently. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's also like a sort of perfect, um, maybe not mirror, but I don't know, little switcheroo because of course, mm-hmm. uh, waiting right. room being an Ian song, glue man being a Gee song, it's sort of reversed for the next EP, and right. and each way, it's it's amazing. Great yeah. beginners, great great closers. Um, so yeah, they I nailed mean, it. Th- two of the most phenomenal writers, musicians, in my humble opinion, and, you know. And obviously, you you think so too because you're doing this podcast. But they're just, you know, yeah. It just shows you the how powerfully creative they are. And and yeah, the, you know that dichotomy of both them together. Are, you know, they're you instantly know Gee when he starts. You instantly know Ian when he starts. It's equally powerful, equally engaging by the way speaking of the the sort of jam that they would do there mm-hmm. is there's something really relevant to the show from instruments that you were at yeah um in i don't know if you saw this but the magazine guitar world november 2020 there is an article and interview with ian mckay and uh, not let, see that let me just read a little section of it um the article goes punk pioneer ian mckay's proudest guitar moments say a lot about his philosophy and aesthetic for the instrument Deep in the runtime of Instrument, the 1999 documentary about his legendary post-hardcore band Fugazi, Mackay stands in front of his Marshall JCM-800 half-stack, conjuring caterwauling feedback from his Alpine White Gibson SG during the breakdown of Promises, the closing song on 1989's landmark 13 songs. Quote, There's this moment where I do this chirping feedback thing, Mackay recalls. It was really like I intended it and I knew what I was doing and it got captured. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. End quote. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like that, that part, it's an I, awesome moment. It is. I went back and specifically rewatched mm-hmm. that and he's, he does a really yeah. cool feedback thing. That yeah. is true. It's like, how, how does he do that? I have no idea. All right. This is, I'm going to expose myself as an ultimate nerd and, you know, a pet peeve. And I don't, I need to, but like, I always see, because I came to Fugazi, like well, thirteen songs came out basically the same time I was getting into Fugazi, but I always see it as two EPs. Like I know they got put together on on thirteen songs, and people often say thirteen songs is my favorite Fugazi record. I'm like, it's not really a Fugazi record. It's margin. <laughs> like I love Margin Walker as an EP. Those six songs are so just perfect. Like I first, like I said, I first bought it as a cassette, got the record. Eventually, I did get thirteen song CD, but you know the media uh, and other people, and I I need to be just bring that in it's just me being a nerd but you know that section of when he's i because I, I, I said i recently watched it and i was watching him just conjure that's the word conjure those tones out of his guitar that chirp and and just the way he's standing there you know or the way you know ian is masterful at you know controlling the tone of his guitar just him, you know it's just a guitar and amp and a cable you know and everything comes out of you know that you know he, what he's able to to conjure up is just amazing. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, powerful. I mean, maybe just to go back to the beginning of the song and talk about it from a more musical um, perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the cool parts of this, where 
simply the um, the picking dynamics that he's using. It's a mm-hmm. fantastic illustration of just how his guitar and amp respond to how hard he's picking. Because right. you, you can literally, if you just listen to the guitar the whole time, you can hear it getting cleaner and dirtier just based mm-hmm. on that. Um, and it's right. it's a really great illustration of that particular thing. Also, and- I was noticing at and it's hard to tell but at like six seconds or something really early into the song there's this part where what he's playing sort of does this little warble and Mm -hmm. it sounds exactly like you're listening to an old warped record and there's like something (laughs) about the record that is malfunctioning and causing this little you know and like i imagine it's probably because he's like bending the string that he's playing um, he's either spinning the the string or the neck, you know, because I I you can see him sometimes yeah. do that. Like he'll he'll bend the neck of that SG to get that little warble sound, you know. Yeah, but you could almost swear that it's like, oh, th- <laughs> like they recorded this onto a record that was slightly warped and then re-recorded <laughs> or, it or, off the record because it's like it the, so you know, sounds the like tape, that. The tape was rolling and it just hit a snag or something. Yeah, or or yeah. Don, you know, well, no, this was recorded by John yeah. Loader. Uh, he accidentally just touched something and it just made it just for a split second on the guitar. Yeah. Put his finger on the tape plan for a second or something. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's super interesting. I I wonder if, uh, wonder if Ian has any memory of that and he would know. I wonder you should ask him when you interview him. Um, the, um, have you, are you familiar with the song life goes on by the damned? Um, no, I I can't pull that out of my memory at the moment. It, it's not really, Promises doesn't really sound exactly like that, but Life Goes On has a little riff uh, that is very similar to the Killing Joke song, 80s, which was very similar to the Nirvana song, Come As You Are. And, you know, we know Ian was a big Dan fan. Um, but to me, when I hear this song and I, and I, I hear that song, like I, I came to The Damned after already being into Fugazi. So, but when I heard that song for the first time, I was like, oh, I can hear, you know, I can see Ian liking this song. And um, it's just, it's got that little dark feel. Like, to me, the the intro guitar is, is, is kind of dark, you know? Yeah. I absolutely and hear it, the comparison to Come As You Are also. That's a good call. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, but there's so many, like, like I said, it gets to a point where it gets very anthemic, very like it might goes from a minor scale to a major. I don't know if it really does, but but it goes, you know, it it just gets very anthemic, and then it drops back down to where you know it's just the bass line and and that slide guitar, and and it's they do a lot in four minutes. You know, when it gets to the end, you're like, oh wow, I want to hear that again. Another impression, you know, speaking of that, that I had re-listening to this is, you know, the song starts, it's going into the verse, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like, oh, Ian's vocals seem really buried in the mix. Like, it seems like a poor decision at first, like they didn't mix this right. But by the time the chorus comes around, it's perfect. It's exactly right. where his voice should be. And right. I, I guess just the thing is that uh, in most uh, engineers or producers or whatever would compress his voice so that it's louder during the quiet sections um but they just they just don't really go that way here or at least maybe the compression is very light if there's any on there um so it's it's just sort of fascinating it's very different from i think how another recording would do it i think you're right and i feel like that the way it's kind of 
a little buried, uh, a little less for, in the forefront also conveys the way it's just like it's a casual like words, words and uh, expressions. All you know, it's just it's it's just really like I think it goes into what he's talking about. Like it's it's just on the surface. Yeah, you know? the the parts that he's delivering a little bit sardonically or sarcastically are mm-hmm. delivered in a weak voice, but then the chorus. Right where he seems to be like revealing his true feelings that's that's where he's really belting it yeah hmm. yeah um other sonic elements that are cool of course at 14 seconds there's that great little bell hit um yep <laughs> to sort of like <laughs> signal okay we're we're almost done with the intro um just a very very distinctive Brendan Canty moment god that bell love the bell <laughs> love the bell um yeah and yeah, and that early, you know, quiet verse, the snare is really breaking through. It's really just punctuating mm-hmm. things um, very, uh, very stridently, I guess. And and you sort of mentioned a little bit what the guitar is doing at the end, but the, in particular, mm-hmm. the very ends, promises, 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 the guitar is just, yeah, ascending constantly as the yeah. bass plays the same line. Um, and that's, that's a very, that's a very cool interplay. Yeah. And I also thought, you know, speaking of the mix in general, it's interesting listening just because of the the sort of single guitar part, right? Like, there's, if this right. were any later in Fugazi's career, um, Guy would have been doing something interesting on this, something right. kind of different. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's high. yeah, it's pretty different in that respect from their later stuff. So it's just it's cool to listen. It sounds really spare in a lot of ways. In a way. You know, I mentioned the dam, but also, you know, Fugazi gets a lot of comparisons to Gang of Four, and and I could hear kind of in some of these parts the the Gang of Four influence too. You know, yeah, uh, totally, or definitely like a post punky type feel. You know, but you know, like you mentioned, the guitar at the end, it's not hardcore, but boy, it's got that power of hardcore. You know, yeah, it's, uh, I. It's very Fugazi. That's that's about all you can say. It's like, very Fugazi. Yeah, that, yeah. that it, cadence at the end. This is like if people wanted to know us. Like, there's a few songs of people who had never heard Fugazi. Like, what is Fugazi about? You know, this is one of the songs I would say. Listen to that song, and, and it, it captures a lot of their musical vocabulary in one song. You know? Right. Especially the early years. Well, sometimes I like to see if I can find uh, interesting covers of the song yeah noted shitty person ryan adams uh did did a cover of this in washington dc in 2016 um wow it's it's extra interesting because the aforementioned phoebe bridgers is one of the women who accused him of uh of sexual um, i did not know that inappropriateness uh to i guess to use the most diplomatic term possible uh so i mean yeah interesting listening uh at least you could say that it's like uh, a different take on the song. It's like not yeah. exactly faithful, but uh, yeah. Uh, so right. I guess I guess people can listen to that if they are interested in that. Um, let's let's read some comments off of the alphabetical Fugazi yeah. Facebook page. Uh, Daniel Pilsater, Pilsater. I'm I'm sorry, guys. There's some of these names that I I feel like I've read several times and I still have no idea if I'm pronouncing it. Uh, correctly or not so uh daniel says i think this one has the most 80s sound kind of like the egg hunt songs really good song Mm. but it stands out in the early discography Hmm. 
Uh, I don't think it sounds eighties to me, but but I, I I do feel like it it's a continuation of like the egg hunt stuff. But I don't know. What do is, I know? This is why I always think that the eighties are like the most interesting musical decade ever because that it means so many different things to different people. There right. was so much going on True. so much new ground being broken in the 80s and oh, yeah. Like, yeah there was new wave but there was also you know hardcore <laughs> so hard, yeah john o'neill said uh if you filter out the s at the very end it's just ian going word which <laughs> john <laughs> that made me laugh a lot man thanks for that comment <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i i it, it makes me sort of imagine like you know other fugazi songs that would just have ian going word at word. the end <laughs> like it's, the, his, it's his hip-hop yo yeah yeah well you know <laughs> Guy was the flavor flave and 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 Ian was the Chuck D and so word you know anyway <laughs> yeah that's that's hilarious so this is interesting um Auntie Varala says I feel promises is ahead of its time and to me signals the upcoming 90s rock the good kind as in maybe mm. Nirvana and Failure maybe even Deftones took their notes that's a cool other yeah. perspective on it like yeah it's 80s but it's it's a little bit prescient and yeah he sort of called out Nirvana yeah. well, the same it, way it, you did well, it's got you know, it's got that uh, soft, loud you know that the Pixies and other bands did that bands like Nirvana would and Smashing Pumpkins, other bands picked up on, you know, and became a very the soft, loud was very early '90s, you know, and this song definitely goes soft, loud. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like this you know, Fugazi's got a long reach as far as influence. I feel absolutely. Know, so um, I can see it. Seldom Careful says the weird song within a song part from about 256 to 334 is one of my favorite passages in their early recording career. I usually have lots of ideas about my favorite Fugazi lyrics, but I don't know what this part means. I still find myself singing slash reciting it sometimes as a sort of mantra for whatever reason I find it comforting. Um, yeah, that it does have really have that sort mm-hmm. of cadence to it. It's something you can just sort of mm-hmm. repeat to yourself in your head, recite it. Which... Um, which part was we referring to? Was it the the go where you think you yeah, want to go? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's really something you could chant to yourself. It's like a <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, Celeste Skipper says Margin Walker's closer in my mind always mirrors Seven Songs' suggestion mm-hmm. in a manner. Fugazi definitely seemed to cut a bit closer to the bone emotionally, tonally, and subject matter on closing tracks, or at the very least, they're trying to give you a send off track that will stay with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I think hard to overstate how good their uh, closers are. They usually do a fantastic job yeah. with those. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, Oliver Kogod says, Brendan's drum fill at 309 is one of my favorite Fugazi drumming moments. Such a clean fill that takes the song into a stellar groove, which mounts to an escalating mm-hmm. outro. What a way to end a song and an album. Bradford Reed Goodwin says, Proto-Fugazi rhythm section flashing a milk tooth. Joe's bass line and Brendan's drumming emerge fully formed. When Ian's vocals pierce the wall of sound, I'm convinced it's a Ronettes song. The anger is released, but the tension remains. Isn't that why we love this band? I never thought about that it's, comparison. Never I thought about the, the Ronettes, but I love that. Yeah, I'll have to meditate like, on that one. Yeah, no, that's, that's food for thought there. <laughs> um, well, it's about that time, uh, James Vitito, to talk about ratings. So, again, if someone's just joining us for the first time, uh, which I doubt, uh, but, you know, we always rate the songs on this podcast on a scale of one to five stars in the context of the Fugazi catalog. So compared to all of Fugazi's other songs, how many stars does this one get for you, James? 
this would be a five-star song for me. I mean, it is one of my favorite, absolute favorite Fugazi songs. Um, and I just feel like it's, it's of the early, of, of the 13 songs, it may be, well, no, it might be one more that's more favorite than this, but it's one of my very favorite of the early stuff. So five stars for sure. I, I'm so close. I think today I'm feeling like 4.5, like, I probably should go 4.52 just because <laughs> there's so many good songs. I know, you that's, know, like that's it, the problem with those songs. It made it 11 on the list. It made it n- uh, number 11 on the most played list. I feel like it, it like, is it, is it, you know, is it Give Me the Cure? Is it Shut the Door? But man, it's up there. It's I, I'm sticking with five, but I, I can totally see your 4.5. Yeah, don't second just, guess yourself I, on my account. It's a, phen- it's a phenomenal song. <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, high ratings for that one in the books. All that said, do you have any plugs? Uh, where can listeners reach you or do you have anything you'd like people to check out? Um, I'm on social media. Um, my Instagram is Vita Viva and I'm on, on the Facebook. Uh, I play in a band called for Starker. Um, 2020, we had a lot of plans, but like just about everybody else, everything got Put on hold hiatus and we've just recently uh after a year and plus got back together and started practicing we're all vaccinated and uh we just started uh to work on our recording that we were supposed to have done last march <laughs> so uh if anybody wants to check out my band for starker on all the typical streaming places and band camp and um you can check it out and you know hopefully you know, may not be 2021, but maybe 2022. Well, you'll hear some new stuff from us. Or, you know, we'll see what happens. We're working on it. So. That's very cool. Congrats for getting back in there. Um, I, Thank you. I can't wait to get back to playing music myself in some capacity, even if it's we never play such, out. Right. Well, that, I mean, you know, I don't, it's been such a long, hard year for so many people. Um, you know, the pandemic was... Um, it just sidelined. I mean, even members of Fugazi look at the Co Ricky record and, and everything, you know. So hopefully, you know, here's to a broader future. Everything hopefully getting back to normal, or well, I don't know about normal, but everything getting better. Let's say, yeah. And 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 return to live music at least. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Here, here. Hopefully, we get this pandemic controlled. Well, cool. Thanks for joining me again, James. Uh, as always, for me, you can reach me at fugazi a to z at gmail.com, and you can join that Facebook group. It's just called The Alphabetical Fugazi. Type that in the search bar, and you'll find us. And uh, otherwise, I hope you'll join me for the next episode when, in a fantastic two-for-one deal, we'll be discussing both provisional and reprovisional. Until then, keep your eyes open. <laughs>